Have you ever talked with somebody and not believed what they were telling you? They, they were talking with you and said, oh yeah, I, could, I, I can totally make this basket, right? That happens sometimes, I've played basketball with somebody. I can, I can make a half-court shot. Uh-huh, sure you can. Prove it, right? Prove it. That, that's the, the phrase that when we come up with somebody that tells us they have something, can do something, are something, prove it, prove it. Well, show us the credentials. Demonstrate for us. You know, uh, uh, when you're playing um, uh, horse and you get to the end of the game and then what do they say? Okay, last shot, you made it. Now you can make it or I have to prove I can make it again, right? And so that's what's happening here in this text in, in Matthew chapter 12. Because in Matthew chapter 12, we have been having Jesus arguing with the Pharisees. And Jesus, if you remember, uh, Jesus found a man who uh, was blind and deaf and uh, had a demon and cast the demon out. And everyone was amazed by this power of Jesus. But the Pharisees said, no, 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 no. Don't be amazed by this power of Jesus. It is by the prince of demons that he does this. That's how Jesus is able to, to do this. And Jesus says, no, no. Let, let's be real here. You can tell if something is good by the fruit that it produces. You can tell if something is evil by the fruit that it produces. And so if I heal this man and he is free, he can now see, he can now hear, he can now speak, he is now free of this demon, then the fruit is good and so it must have come from a good tree. This is my evidence that I uh, have done this by the power of the Holy Spirit rather than uh, by the power of the prince of demons. And if I have done this by the power of the Holy Spirit, then the kingdom of heaven has come, and so you must be warned. And so they said this in verse 38 of Matthew chapter 12. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. Isn't that great? He's just healed a guy. He's just healed a guy. He's just done something that they don't ever see, right? Here's somebody who's blind and deaf and mute, uh, uh, has a demon, and, and Jesus has just healed this person and said, look, this is the evidence that the Holy Spirit is with me. And they're going, oh yeah? Prove it. Prove it. If this was by the power of the Holy Spirit that you did this miraculous thing that no one else can do, then prove it. Show us a sign. Show us a sign. Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. So, I mean, if I was Jesus, if I was Jesus, I would go, you want to see me do it again? Watch. Watch. I'll do this again. I can do this all day. I can pull up from half court and make this basket like Damian Lillard or Steph Curry. I can do this all day, basket after basket. I can heal people. I can... can uh, heal them from their diseases and do all these things. I can do it over and over again. You just watch. That is not what Jesus does. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Now this is really intriguing to me. This is really intriguing to me because uh, are you familiar with the story of the prophet Jonah? 
The prophet Jonah is the one that uh, he was called by God. It's a very short book. It's only four chapters long. I almost was going to read the whole thing to you, and then I decided not to do that. I'll just summarize. But here's what happens. Jonah is an Israelite, and uh, God comes to Jonah, and he says, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh, uh, Gentile people. I want you to go, and I want you to tell them uh, that I am going to judge them. And Jonah goes, no. And he runs the other way. He hops on a boat. He's going to go a long ways away. He's going to go to Tarshish. And he gets on the boat. We're now like six verses into Jonah, by the way. This is, it all happens very quickly. He gets on a boat right away, goes, I'm going to run away from the presence of the Lord. I'm going to go to Tarshish instead. And uh, the sea starts to pick up. Major storm picks up so that the, the sailors on the boat are freaking out. They're starting to throw stuff overboard, and then they're starting to go, this is so bad. Some God is really upset with somebody here, and so they draw straws and go, Jonah, it's you. Who do you serve? Who's your God, and why is he so mad? And Jonah goes, well, I serve the one true God, and he asked me to go to Nineveh to preach the, the, that um, there's going to be a judgment coming, and I told him no and went the other way. And they went, What? okay, first of all, that was really dumb on your part. And second of all, what do we have to do to be saved? And he said, well, you're going to have to throw me in the water. So they said, fine. God, don't judge us. We're going to throw him in the water like he said. Throw him in the water, calm. And they all praised God and went, hallelujah. There is a God in heaven who saved us. Meanwhile, Jonah gets swallowed by a fish. And he, in the belly of this fish, is praying, God, would you please help me? I'm in, this de- uh, in the place. I'm as good as dead here. I'm really sorry for what I did. And so God tells the fish, could you spit him out on the shores of Nineveh? Uh, yeah, on the shores of Nineveh. And, he, and so the fish spits him out on the shores of Nineveh. And Jonah goes, ah, this is not Tarshish. God says, I want you to go tell the Ninevites that judgment is coming. Fine. So he walks through. It takes him three days. Nineveh is a huge city, about 120,000 people living in the city. He walks from one end of the city to the other end of the city going, judgment is coming, judgment is coming. God is going to judge you for your sins. And every single person in Nineveh repents. The king hears about it and tells everybody, hey, we are going to die because of the judgment of the Lord. We need to all repent. We need to put sackcloth and ashes on. We need to declare a fast. Every beast of burden and person of stature to the lowliest person, everyone in all of Nineveh needs to repent, and maybe God will relent on his judgment. And so God relented on his judgment, and Jonah was upset. He was like, that God, that's why I didn't want to go and tell them, because I knew you are a merciful God, and if I told them about the judgment that was coming, they would all repent, and this is all on you, God, because now they're all going to repent. And God said, there are 120,000 people in this city. Why don't you have compassion for them? And thus ends the book of Jonah. Now, if you're paying attention to that story as I just rehearsed it, And he talks about nothing will be given to you except the sign of Jonah. What was the sign of Jonah for those Ninevites? Not a thing. Not a thing. Jonah came walking through Nineveh telling them judgment is coming and they all of them repented. There was no evidence. They just believed 
this is, this is legit. We are going to die because of the judgment of God on us. And here Jesus tells the Pharisees, why are you asking for a sign? Do you not know the story of Jonah? Well, of course they know the story of Jonah. These are, these are teachers of the law. They are teachers of the Old Testament scriptures. They know them forwards and backwards. They know all of these things. And he's going, look, I shouldn't have to give you a sign. You already know all the things. When Jonah went to those Gentiles who didn't know anything, they repented with no signs. And you have just seen many signs. And my message is, is uh, harm, in harmony with what the Old Testament Scriptures say. So why don't you just repent? Why don't you just repent? An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Jesus here is refusing to just be a magician, right? A magician would do some tricks and everybody would go, wow, that's great. Can you do anything else? Oh yeah, I got this cool card trick. And then they'd show that card trick too. Wow, do you have anything else that you can show us? Oh yeah, look at this. I'll chop my head off and then put it back on again and I won't die, right? And, and so that's what a magician would do, right? Or a, a genie like, that you could go, hey, I have these three wishes. Can you do this for me? Can you do that for me? And Jesus is going, I am not a magician. I am not a genie. You can't just ask me to do signs for you. That's not what I'm here for. I'm here as a prophet to call you to repentance. That's what I'm here for. You need to listen to the message. You need to listen to the message. An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For... Just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Those Ninevites didn't need. They didn't need any kind of a sign. They just heard the message and repented. But he says, but there was a sign. There was a sign to Jonah that what he needed to do was go and proclaim. And the sign was that uh, he was captured by this fish and in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights and then spit out on the shores of Nineveh. And he says, just like that, I'm going to spend three days in the heart of the earth. I'm going to die and I'm going to be buried. And in three days, I'm going to rise again. That will be your sign. You won't get any other signs. Just that one sign. Just that one sign. Now, you and I know the story of Jesus, right? We, we know where this is heading. We know that Jesus goes and he does all these miracles. We know that he does all of this teaching. And eventually, these guys are going to get so fed up with Jesus that they are going to crucify him. That is, kill him on a cross and then bury him and say, good, done with that troublemaker. Except they wouldn't, won't be done with that troublemaker because that troublemaker won't stay dead. He's going to rise again from the dead three days later. 
And that is going to be the sign. He said, that's the only sign you're going to need. That's the only sign that you're going to need. Because here's what he says. And then, verse 41, the men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Look, he says, in that day of judgment, in that final day when you stand before God, you will not be able to say, God, we had no idea. We had no idea. Because when you stand in that day, the Ninevites will say, Jonah came and proclaimed to us that we needed to repent of our sin, and we did. These Gentiles, non-Jewish people, who did not have the Old Testament Scriptures available to them, heard one sentence from Jonah, he didn't even say repent. Judgment is coming. That was his sentence. Judgment is coming. And they repented. How much more then, when the Son of Man, God in flesh, is standing before you, performing these signs for you, and then will die on the cross, be buried in the ground, and rise again from the dead. That will be the sign for you. And when you don't believe, even then, those Gentiles who had none of your advantages are going to stand up and go, what are you doing? Why would you not believe? Jesus says, you want proof? I will give you proof. Not right now, but I will give you proof. And even then, it will not be enough for you. He goes on and gives another example. In verse 42, he says, The queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, something greater than Solomon is here. Now, he keeps talking about this generation, right? This generation, this generation, this generation. We, we can look at the different time periods through uh, scriptures. He's not just talking about the people that were alive at his period of time. I, I, I saw somebody say something about, this new singer is the share of our generation. They tweeted that out, to which Cher responded by tweet, how long is a generation? Right? How, how long is a generation? We, we see time periods. We see, see time periods through the scriptures, and we have like uh, the, the time of the patriarchs, the, the, the fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We have the, the time that they spent in Egypt. We have the time that the Israelites spent uh, as a nation in Israel. Then we have the time of the exile, and then we have the time, the generation that has the knowledge of who Jesus is. This is the generation that this is talking about. And so when it says uh, that the Ninevites are going to rise up for this generation, all who had the ability to see and know about who Jesus was, they are going to stand up to condemn them. And now he says again, then the queen of the south will rise up with the, at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, something greater than Solomon is here. Now, this is a reference to uh, both Second Chronicles and First Kings, but I'm going to read the First the Kings account. This is First Kings chapter 10. 
Now, when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. She came to Jerusalem with a very great retinue, with camels bearing spices and very much gold and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she told him all that was on her mind. And Solomon answered all her questions. There was nothing hidden from the king that he could not explain to her. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food of his table, the seating of his officials, and the attendance of his servants, their clothing, his cupbearers, and his burnt offerings that he offered at the house of the Lord, there was no more breath in her. Isn't that a great picture? It took her breath away. When she saw all of his kingdom, she went, wow. And she said to the king, the report was true that I heard in my own land of your words and of your wisdom. I came half was not told to me. Your wisdom and prosperity surpassed the report that I heard. Happy are your men. Happy are your servants who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord your God who has delighted in you and set you on the throne of Israel. Because the Lord loved Israel forever, he has made you king and made you execute justice and righteousness. Then she gave the king 120 talents of gold and a very great quantity of spices and precious stones. Never again came such an abundance of spices as these that the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. Here comes, here comes this queen. The, the word about Solomon, remember Solomon had, had asked the Lord for wisdom in ruling his people, in ruling the Lord's people. He said, okay, you're going to make me king. I need to be wise if I'm going to rule them well. And so the Lord said, okay, I'm going to make you wiser than anyone who has ever lived before. And that when that news of that reaches the queen of Sheba, she gets, goes, I have to see this. And so she loads up her camels, she takes a caravan, she goes up to see Solomon and check this out. Is this true? Is this true? This wisdom of Solomon? Because I, I rule a country and I've got some hard questions for you. And she asked him her toughest questions and he answered all of them. And she went, whoa, you are wise. And I heard that you were wealthy, but this is ridiculous. I, I didn't even imagine when they told me how rich you were and how mighty your kingdom was and how blessed your people were to have you as king, I did not even imagine that it could be as good as this. I didn't even think the reports were true, but this is, exceeds beyond my dreams of what it could be. And what Jesus is saying is, look, in that day of judgment, the queen of Sheba is going to rise up and say, I didn't have the Old Testament scriptures. I didn't have all the expectations that you have, you Pharisees of the law. I, I didn't have any of that. But when I heard about it, I went to go check it out and see if it was true. And when I saw the wisdom of Solomon and the greatness that God had blessed him with, I believed. I believed. And here Jesus stands. He's been explaining things 
that people didn't understand before. He'd been clarifying things that people went, wow, has, have we ever heard wisdom like this before? He says, someone greater than Solomon is here. Someone greater than Solomon is here. And yet you refuse to believe. Why do you refuse to believe? Despite all the advantages that you have, why do you refuse to believe? Then he gives this strange parable. In verse 43, he says, When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest, but finds none. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house empty, swept, and put in order. Then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they enter and dwell there, and the last state of that person is worse than the first. So it will be with this evil generation. Now, Jesus has just cast the demons out of a man, right? That's what they said. And they said, oh, you, you did that by the prince of demons. That's how you managed to cast those demons out. And he said, no, no, no. No. Because a kingdom divided against itself couldn't stand. And if the prince of demons is divided against himself, then his kingdom wouldn't stand. That's not what this is. But first, if you're, going to, uh, if you're going to plunder a strong man's house, you have to first bind up that strong man. So what you're seeing is me demonstrating power over the prince of demons. I have bound up that strong man. I am the one who has come and is stronger than the strong man. And so... I have done this, and they have been cast out. Now, have you uh, ever cleaned your house? I have, from time to time, tried to pick up my house, right? Because there's just stuff everywhere. There's stuff on every surface. I don't like surfaces, because services accumulate things. And so when I go through and I pick up all the things, all the papers that have been spread out here, I pick them up and I put them away and I clean up. And so you stand back and go, okay, this is so nice. I can see an entire countertop. I can see an entire dining table. I can see an entire side table. And there is nothing on this counter. This is great. And two days later, they are covered with things again. Now, I would love to blame it on my children. But I have that paperwork that I was going to deal with later, and so I put it on the table so that I could deal with it later. And then that other thing that I was working on that I put on the countertop, and then I didn't end up getting that put back away again. And then what I find is that surfaces just collect things. You have to decide this is the purpose for this sur surface. I have to clean it off and then say, okay, that surface is dedicated to something so that it doesn't just collect random items, right? Maybe none of you else have this problem, but this is a, a, a definite problem in my house. 
This is the kind of problem that Jesus is talking about here. Look, I can come in and I can bind up the strong man and I can cast out the demons so that they leave, but you then have to witness that strength, that power of the Holy Spirit and respond with repentance of your sin and belief in the one true God, or otherwise they just come back and clutter things up again. He's using this as a parable so that they will understand that He has come. He has come to give them one sign. He will die, be buried, and rise again from the dead. That is the one sign He is going to give them. That will be His one apologetic, His one defense for who He is. This will be the demonstration that He is God in flesh, the Savior of the world who came to die on the cross for the sins of all people, so that when they repent of their sin and believe in Him, they will be saved. And the evidence is He will be buried in the ground and then rise again from the dead. That is it. And He says, but if you don't believe, your state is going to be worse than before because it will be so clear to you, so laid out for you, that this is from God, that if you reject it, What hope is there for you? Now, there are times when I'm talking with somebody. I was talking with a guy in college one time, and he was saying, yeah, I just have a lot of trouble believing in God. I said, okay, I'm going to pray that God would reveal himself to you so that you would believe. What would it take for him to reveal himself to you so that you would believe? And he said, I would have to see the sun go backwards like it did in the Old Testament. He would have to something with the sun before I would believe. (sighs) Why are we asking for that kind of a sign? Do you know what sign God has given this generation? The one sign of Jesus. He died on the cross, was buried in the grave, and three days later again from the dead. We need no other apologetic other than this. Jesus required no other apologetic other than this. What you have to do is either deny that that happened despite the historical evidence and despite the records. You have to deny that that happened or you have to come to terms with it and say, yeah, despite that, I don't believe. This is the one thing. It's the one thing. And so it is my prayer for you today as we are looking at this and as Jesus says, look, here is my evidence. I'm going to stand up and say, here is my evidence. Jesus came. He taught people. He explained what the kingdom of God is like. He healed people and demonstrated the presence of the Holy Spirit in his life in ways that no one had ever seen before. But this is the one thing that he did. He died on the cross for your sins and was buried in the grave and everyone saw it and knew it. They saw him die, they saw him buried, and everyone knew where that grave was. And then he rose from the dead and he showed himself again to his believers and said, I have done the work. There is no way to get to God 
the Father except through me. And it is my prayer for you that it will be sufficient for you. That evidence alone, that sign alone would be sufficient for you to believe. And it is my prayer for you that you will not be embarrassed or intimidated to proclaim that as the one sign when you tell other people about the hope that you have in Jesus. You see, when I was in college, I went, okay, I'm going to just pray and pray and pray that God will show you some sign other than the Scriptures so that you might believe. And there were times at which I was nervous about or intimidated by talking with people about who Jesus was, and I just now have come to uh, the conviction that this is all there is and this is all that is needed. We either believe that Jesus was who He said He was and died and rose again from the dead, or we don't. And if we reject it, the day of judgment will be very hard. But if we receive it, if we repent of our sins and believe like the Ninevites and the Queen of Sheba, how beautiful will that day be? Because we will stand before our judge and say, I believe in Jesus, and he will say, welcome in my child. Let's pray.